In December, a federal court of appeals struck down a North Carolina law that required physicians to perform an ultrasound exam in any woman seeking an abortion and then to give her specific information about the fetus. That ruling conflicts with the decisions of other appellate courts. And together, these verdicts raise questions about state influence on doctors' freedom to speak and not to speak that may ultimately be decided by the Supreme Court. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Wendy Mariner, a professor of health law, bioethics, and human rights at the Boston University School of Public Health. Professor Mariner has co-authored a perspective article about mandated physician speech and informed consent. Professor Mariner, has the Supreme Court given any indication that it will take up this issue, given the conflict between the appellate courts? Thank you for letting me be here with you. Not yet, but the possibility exists because... You are probably aware abortion is sufficiently controversial that it's the sort of thing that the Supreme Court might take. You note in your article that the Supreme Court previously upheld the state's authority to require physicians to provide truthful information that might encourage a woman to reconsider her decision to have an abortion. So if the court were to address the issue again, what would it be looking at this time? It's a very good question. The issue appears not to be so much factual information which should be permitted. But how far and how much detail can states require physicians to state the facts? Or can they manipulate the way in which physicians must present the facts to their patients? But it's worrisome in the sense that by placing the question in the context of abortion, the informed consent process is being hijacked, possibly. We want to make a distinction between facts and ideology. If the court, for example, were to conclude that a specific set of facts were permissible, it simply encourages legislatures to prescribe in far more detail what physicians must and must not say to their patients. Requiring ultrasonography, a medical procedure, seems to take things a step further than just requiring speech. What are the limits of state power to determine medical practice? Well, states certainly have far more power to regulate the practice of medicine, like the practice of any profession, than they do to regulate speech. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the state can dictate exactly what physicians do. It's one thing to prohibit quackery or very dangerous procedures. It's quite another to insist on using a particular diagnostic test for a particular condition, that goes way beyond the bounds of expertise of a legislature. Countrywide, how common are laws that regulate physicians' speech or behavior in the context of abortion? How has the issue been playing out in other states? States have increasingly been adding requirements and sometimes prohibition to what physicians say, and often have been doing it in the context of, say, controversial medical procedures. This is a bit worrisome because it can politicize the physician-patient relationship. If people with strong religious or ideological beliefs want to recruit physicians as their spokespersons, then they may seek to pass laws that would require physicians to influence their patients to make choices that those politicians would prefer. This is particularly problematic because that will exacerbate the divide between opinions, I think. There are enough social studies suggesting that people with strong beliefs are rarely persuaded to change their minds simply by hearing facts. So it's not clear to me that requiring physicians to make specific statements is going to 
change what people's choices are, but it will certainly set a precedent for further state control over what physicians can say in circumstances that aren't controversial. You mentioned politics, and many people, of course, believe that North Carolina's law and similar laws in other states were put in place for political reasons to discourage abortion. What, though, did North Carolina argue was the medical purpose of the law? Well, North Carolina argued simply that they were offering women information to enable her to make an informed decision about abortion. And that sounds perfectly plausible. But the concern here is that, as the North Carolina court noted, context is everything. And what your physician tells you when you are partially disrobed in an examining room is enormously influential for an individual. And here we have, in the case of a woman considering abortion, lying, perhaps with flimsy covering over her, being required to either listen to a physician, make a statement prescribed by the legislature, and if she doesn't want to hear it, she would have to cover her ears. If she doesn't want to see an ultrasound, she would have to turn her head away if she can. It's humiliating, and it makes a mockery of the doctor-patient relationship. Someone who should be able to rely on her physician to provide her with the information that she needs herself in that context is being forced to listen to what the state thinks she should hear because they want to change her mind. Some of the state laws have required physicians to mention a possible link between abortion and an increased risk of breast cancer an association that has been very heavily disputed. Have any courts addressed the issue of the accuracy of the information that physicians are required to give their patients? Well, there was one element at issue in an Eighth Circuit case, Planned Parenthood, South Dakota against Round. And there the legislature required that there be a reference made to an increased risk of abortion and suicide or suicide ideation, which is a similar example. There are, again, disputes over the accuracy or the relevance of that particular relationship. The court took a very literal reading of the statute and said that the requirement that physicians tell this to patients should be considered factual because it merely described the possibility of an increased risk and Essentially, what the courts are doing is saying this is factual. All it is is factual. We're giving the fact that there may be an increased risk here. Of course, when women hear that, they may hear something quite different. I think the point here is that the problem for law and for medicine, in my opinion, is that the fundamental principles governing informed consent are being distorted by these ideologically motivated laws. And we need to stand tough against being subjected to manipulation that is pretextual. Thank you, Professor Mariner.